Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This episode contains music that provides deep healing. We're in lockdown again at the Ashram, and we've had lots of heavy rain. The lockdown means that I need to record late at night in order to get some quiet. But the rain means there's a constant background noise. I think of frogs on top of the waves and the occasional birds that are still awake looking to eat the frogs. In this episode, we're looking at what makes Ludwig van Beethoven special. One thing that almost everyone who's heard of Beethoven knows about him is that he was deaf. He began to notice changes to his hearing in his 20s, and by the time he was in his 50s, it was pretty much total. At the first performance of his massive Ninth Symphony in 1824, he'd sat on stage next to the conductor, watching the musicians and beating time along with them. Unable to hear the huge ovation, he had to be turned around to face the audience. This was Beethoven's last public appearance. In the last couple of years of his life, Beethoven composed mainly songs and string quartets. These last five and a bit quartets, there are another eleven he'd written before, are longer, more complex, more difficult for both performer and listener, more intimate than any quartets written by anyone before. Beethoven does for the string quartet what he did too for the symphony, concerto and piano sonata, radically changing what was thought possible and leaving the musical landscape totally changed. The late quartets are deeply personal pieces of great depth and complexity that sometimes confused or bewildered early listeners who suggested that Beethoven may not have known what he was writing because he was deaf or was otherwise mentally afflicted by the deafness, or some other unknown illness. One writer, Alfred Marx, taking another view a couple of years after Beethoven died, writes that players and listeners may meet these works with the quiet, humble knowledge that they will not, for now, understand them completely, and that if approached in that spirit, they would sooner or later come to understand them. We're going to dive into this deep music by the shallow end, That's in terms of musical approachability, rather than to say this is emotionally shallow, because it really isn't. We're going to listen to the middle movement of his quartet, number 15, opus 132. I think this is one of the most beautiful things ever written, and I'm a bit shocked to say that I only heard it for the first time when writing about the Bartok Piano Concerto a couple of episodes back. Bartok was inspired by this piece, so this one's been a journey of discovery for me too. In April 1825, Beethoven got sick with stomach trouble. He'd had a fight with his doctor, who now refused to visit him. I'm not sure that would get past a modern ethics investigation. But the doctor who did come declared that Beethoven was seriously ill, and if things got worse, it could be fatal. The doctor banned wine, coffee, 
spirits and spices. Warning Beethoven, I can bet you that if you drink any spirits, you'll be lying weak and exhausted on your back within a few hours. He recommended a trip to the country for fresh air and natural milk. As Beethoven recovered, he wrote to the doctor that he was still weak, belching, etc. I spit up rather a lot of blood, apparently only from the windpipe, but often it streams out of my nose, as happened frequently last winter as well. There is no doubt that my stomach has become terribly weak. Still, Beethoven got better, and this quartet movement is his musical response, which he called Holy Song of Thanksgiving of a Convalescent to the Deity in the Lydian mode. In German it's often abbreviated to Heiliger Dankgesang. It's in five sections, slow, fast, slow, fast, slow. In the slow music, features this simple church-like hymn tune that he's talking about in the title. The Lydian mode is a medieval form of church music, already archaic by Beethoven's time, that essentially involves using only the white notes in the scale, no sharps or flats, but at the same time that doesn't mean it's C major which also has no sharps or flats, because the root of the harmony lies somewhere else. With that bit of the title cleared up, it's worth asking too what the deity meant to Beethoven. Beethoven was born into a Catholic family, but wasn't conventionally religious. Haydn, his great composer, predecessor and mentor, thought him an atheist. On his desk he kept a quotation that he'd seen in a book of an inscription from an ancient Egyptian temple to the goddess Neith, creator and governor of the universe. He'd written it out, and even had it framed, and it lived on the desk where he composed. It says, I am that which is, I am all that was, that is, and that shall be. No mortal man has ever lifted the veil of me. He is solely of himself, and to this only one all things owe their existence. This sounds remarkably like non-dual Hinduism, the fundamental belief that everything in creation is divinity. And that includes Beethoven and his music, and you, and me too. Separately in one of his letters, perhaps inspired by books on Eastern Indian philosophy, he had written another quote. O oh God, you are independent of everything. You are the true, eternal, blessed, unchangeable light of all time and space. And it's that unchangeable light of time and space that Beethoven gives us here. The music is stretched to unbelievable lengths. It's actually a fairly simple kind of hymn tune, but it's so slow so stretched that it becomes almost harder to discern and we're held suspended in this timeless stasis pure beautiful requires amazing skill and control from the players to sustain the quality of sound and the intensity of feeling. Earlier string quartets 
often featured the first violinist as the main carrier of the tunes, with the others providing backing and getting occasional moments in the limelight. But here, as that writer Alfred Marx again puts it, we need no longer four happy brothers in art who make music for us for their and our enjoyment. Here, they are four deeply affected creative spirits who soar up into magnificent freedom and wondrous sympathy in a brotherly embrace intertwined fourfold. If the performers do not constitute an equal union of noble, equal, free, brotherly spirits, no perfect manifestation of the work of art is conceivable. A bit over the top, perhaps, in its language, but the writer was already working hard on building up Beethoven's legacy, only two years after his death. Interesting to see that he says that the musicians aren't playing this for our enjoyment. It's like it's much more important than that. After nearly four minutes of this beautiful stasis, we're suddenly with just a couple of notes to transition into the faster section, which Beethoven headed, Feeling New Strength. The musicologist Robert Capillo puts it really well. When he says this is like someone who's been sick, rediscovering all the things they love. To me that sounds like when your sense of taste returns, or you get to go outside again after being laid up in bed, and you find that everything is fresh and renewed. So this section sounds more like normal string quartet music, with more noticeable tune and accompaniment, a musical key, and so on. And it's bright and cheery, with a real glint in its eye. But that renewed strength passes, he's still getting better, or at least Beethoven returns to the thoughtful and more inwardly reflective music, and we get to hear both again. At the end the slow music returns one last time, and there's a climax of almost unbearable passion. Here Beethoven is cleverly condensing the material from earlier, from what was an eight-note phrase to just the first five notes of it, then three, then two, then just one, and we're done. And as listeners, we've been moved to a place of great stillness, filled with Beethoven's unchangeable light of time and space. I find this deeply moving. I hope you do too. Click on the links in the show notes to have a listen. And then do tell me what you think. You can leave a comment at cacophonyonline.com or via Facebook or Twitter. Please share this one widely. I'd love more people to hear this music. And you can also, with a couple of clicks, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. If you're really enjoying Cacophony, there's a link in the show notes that you can click on to buy me a coffee. Please come back for more next time. And thanks for listening.